Are y'all, are y'all ready for the Word of God today? You ready for God's Word? Hey, I like that. We could even clap for the Word of God, everybody. Luke chapter 13 is where we're going to be today. Luke chapter 13. And, and we are in 21 days of prayer and fasting. I want to enjoy, you know, encourage you to keep it up, keep going. Uh, if you, for whatever reason, haven't been involved up until this point, this is just a time every year we set aside really kind of the first three weeks of the year and say we're going to seek God. We're going to give up some things our flesh really loves. We're going to pursue God with our hearts and our minds minds and our souls. We're going to try to feed our spirits and, and it's going to set the tone. Here's the whole idea, guys. It's let it set the tone for the, for the whole year. Like you, you may not fast the whole year, but you can have different seasons of fasting throughout the year. But however you're seeking God, however you're praying, you're reading your Bible, let that become you know, kind of your status quo, if you will. That's that's the norm for the year. And so that's really why we do it. I, I think it sets the tone of the year every year, and, and that's why we do it. So I, I thank you for, for participating. I pray that it's been in, uh, insightful, encouraging, and, and I encourage you to continue. In, in Luke chapter 13, I'll be honest, this was not the message I had for today at all. Um, in fact, the message I want to preach is a great message, Three Reasons to Persist in Prayer. That was the working title. I probably would have named it something else. Um, but, but there are times prayer isn't answered instantly, and I was going to talk about that. So I'll preach it somewhere else, or I'll write a blog, or put it on social media or something. I'll find a place for it, because it is encouraging. But I was talking to one of our elders, and, and God, I, I was talking about some things God was speaking to me, and he was sharing some things, and... Um, and it just the way God was speaking, I'm like, I just want to share this. I really think, I really think this is a very much what we'd say a now word for our church. You could even say a prophetic word for our church. Now, if if you're from a Christian persuasion where if someone says prophetic, that gets really scary, then then I, let me just tell you, somebody did something wrong. Okay, because it shouldn't be scary. Uh, it is in the Bible. It is there's a gift of the Spirit. It's talked about. So there's the Bible talks about kind of the minister or the ministry. So there's the minister, a prophet who's a minister, but there can also be a message that's prophetic. And Paul says, I wish we'd all prophesy. And, and this is how he categorizes or, or what he, he, he kind of describes or the result of New Testament prophecy, if you, if you will. Um, New Testament prophecy, he said, it builds you up and encourages you. And that's what new, and so, so anyway, so I wanted today, I want to build you up. I want to encourage you. And that's what I think God wants to do in our lives. But I want to share something that I think is just a timely kind of now uh, word. And so I, I kind of felt this and then I just kind of built a message around it so I could give you some application because I want to give you some inspiration, but also some application. And so in Luke chapter 13, if you're there, now I've preached this passage before. If you've been at our church a year or two, you've probably heard me preach a message from this passage. I want to look at it a little bit differently today. So Luke chapter 13, verse 6, it says, Jesus spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I haven't found any. So cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But the man that was in charge of the vineyard said, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And then if it bears fruit, well, in other words, great. But if it doesn't, then after that, you could cut it down. Um, I want to talk to you just for a few moments. I call this message this. I want to talk to you about a different year, a different year year. Can we pray together? Holy Spirit, we open our hearts and ask that you speak to us from your word. Don't let us miss this time with you. Let it be productive as you reveal, as we see, as we hear and perceive what you're saying to us. God, our hearts and our lives will be transformed in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. 
a different year. I, I've taught this before, and to me, it's kind of the ingredients of growth. Like if you want to grow spiritually, and we should all want to grow spiritually, you're either growing or you're dying. You can't actually maintain anything. We see that actually taught by Jesus. There's this principle. It's the grow or die principle. To him who has more and more will be given, but to him who doesn't do anything, I'm paraphrasing with what he has, what he has will be taken away. We see that in the parable that's about stewardship and a couple of places. And so you're either growing or you're dying. And and when you look at this, I've taught this on the three ingredients of growth that you need. Well, you know, first of all, you you need uh, you need good time versus bad time. In other words, we see time, and and time is a constant. But there's three years of time where nothing happens, and there's one year where something changes. Right? Something different happens. That's good time. How many know? Just being in a church doesn't make you mature as a Christian. Right? You can sit in a church for five years. And, and still not know much at all about God, not, not really be any more mature than, than maybe you were in the beginning. Because time, it's the application. It's what you do with the time that makes the difference. So we have time, right? And then we have this digging around. We call that truth. And then we have fertilized. We call that grace. And so, so here's how we grow. It's grace and truth over time, right? And, and I've taught it that way. But when I looked at it this way, I thought, for this year, this, this means a little something different. Because what I saw all of a sudden was three years and one year. And in my mind, I immediately thought, um, oh, wow, we're coming up on the third anniversary of COVID, the third anniversary of when the world shut down, the third anniversary of when the church shut down, when everybody went home, when we were online only, when I'd come in here and preach to a couple of cameras and a couple of staff people and try to be really excited because for me, I, I kind of feed off your energy. And when you're with me, woo, I feel like preaching. And when it's empty, woo, I feel like going home. Amen. Right, it's just the way that I am. And I just preach as hard as I could to that camera. Praise God, you know, and what it and I mean, we also notice the messages get shorter when there's no people here. Now I'm saying don't stay home. We're like, you know, if we watch online, he'll preach 25 minutes, that room's empty. No, it won't happen that way. But I, I remember that and I thought for three years that has impacted. COVID has impacted for three years. In fact, for me, it was like, wow, was that really three years ago? Because in some ways it feels like it was yesterday. In a lot of ways, we're still dealing with it. And I thought, you know, it changed It changed a lot of things. COVID changed a lot of things. And one of the things that I think it changed, whether we'd say this or not, but it changed the production of fruit. Because some of bearing fruit requires us to be around other people. Some of bearing fruit is about how we go about our lives, and it changed the rhythms of our lives, and it changed the focuses of our lives. And, and that's not to be negative. That's just to say, this is my observation. For three years, I, I've watched our church pathway do really well, all things considered, measured against other churches. But, but you know, we were at like four worship experiences, and then we went to two, and now we're back to three. In, in some ways, I kind of feel like, in some ways, are we starting over again to try to be fruitful? Because as a pastor, while I saw wonderful things about our church through those period, that period, that last three years, there's some things I didn't see that I felt like God had called us to. While I saw some good things in my life over those last few years, there's some things I felt like God called me to that I didn't see those last three years. And, and I don't know, maybe you feel that way. And I just thought, I thought this, I don't know what it is. I've been more excited about 2023 than I ever have. And, and it's not just, there's good things going on in my life. Yes, praise God for that. But even without that, before that, there's still some things I feel like God is doing and speaking and desiring to do that, that are extraordinary and are different about this year. And I think God wants this year to be different, and maybe some of us want this year to be different. Like 2023 for me was, I mean, 2022 was good. But man, I think God's got some great stuff for 2023. Now, I'm not going to talk about 2020 because it sucked, y'all. I ain't going to lie to you. Right? And, and maybe you're here, and, and, and maybe if I say that, does it resonate with you? Man, I'd like this to be a different year. I'd like this to be a different year, right? And that's what I want to talk about because I think God wants it to be a different year. I think you can have a different year this year. I think for our church, we're going to have a different year 
this year. I know we are because we've already made changes based really on, on God moving us this way. And now I'm just trying to articulate it. We're going to have a different year. And so here's what he says. Like, if you, when you look at this text, number one, you know, you can't, you can't, this is not the point. This is pre-point to the point. <laughs> That's how you know you're a preacher when you have a pre-point. <laughs> Even before a point or a sub-point, you have a pre-point. Um, but when you look at the emphasis that the New Testament placed on bearing fruit, it's incredible, really. I mean, Jesus talks about bearing fruit here in Luke 13. Again, we're talking about bearing fruit. That as believers, as followers of Christ, this is what's different about us, is the fruit we bear. Do you know that? And, you know, we live in a world, and, and I'll say this, and, and I won't back up from it. We live in a world where everyone's Christian, but nobody's Christian. Um, because Christianity has become popular, but popular Christianity isn't actually biblical at all. It's just kind of all based on feelings and, and God somehow conforms to our feelings, validates our feelings, affirms our feelings. Um, and it's just all over, all over our culture. But if you really want to know, am I following Jesus? You, it's not by how you feel. It's by the fruit you bear. It's not even by what you say. It's by the fruit you bear. Like, am I following Jesus? I don't know. Is your life producing fruit? Because we are called to produce fruit. We see it all throughout the New Testament. There's so many parables about bearing fruit. In fact, Jesus, some of his last conversations with his disciples in John, I mean, it's, it is the last conversation because it is in the upper room. John, you know, 13, he's washing their feet. 14, 15, 16 is about abiding in him and producing fruit and fruit that will remain, and then your joy will be full because you are called to produce fruit, and when we produce fruit, we're fulfilled. So what is fruit? Well, fruit is the way that we live. It's the way our life looks. It's the texture of it. It's the fabric. So it's the way we live and the wake we leave. And when you live the right way, you leave the right wake. Did you know your life, move, like you moving through Creation, you moving through humanity, you moving through your family creates a wake. And you know it is because some people, you've been in their wake and you never desire to be in their wake again because it's chaotic. There's that person you work with that if they're coming to the break room, you're leaving because their wake is going to be drama like nobody's mama has ever had. And you're like, I'm getting out of here because their wake, their wake is anxious, their wake is chaotic, right? So we leave a wake. And so it's the way that we live that, that causes us to leave awake. And that wake should, it should be fruit of faith and generosity and kindness. Surely the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Yes, we produce those type of fruits. But also what we do produces fruit. Who we serve produces fruit. Who we pray for produces fruit. What we give to produces fruit. And so if I want to know if I'm really following Jesus, the question is, does my life produce similar fruit to what his life seemed to produce? And I can know that by studying his life because I have the word of God. And so we are called to produce fruit. Today would be a great day if you want a different year, evaluate the fruit from the three previous years because that's what's going on in the passage. He's saying, hey, the last three years, it, everything looked like life. There was dirt. There was a fig tree. There was sun and rain and wind and green leaves. But you know what I couldn't find? I couldn't find the fruit I was looking for. So my question is, if I'm evaluating, do I need a different year? Let me ask you this. Do you need a different fruit? When you look through the last three years in your relationships or your business, your finances, in how you feel, in the way you're leading life, what's that fruit look like? And do you want to produce different fruit or do you need to just produce fruit? Because I think God is saying, this is a different year. So how are we going to have a different year? Well, he really says the way this three years, the way this one year is different from these three years really comes down to two things. And I can give them to you very simply. They're not very pretty, but it's right there in the text. I'm going to go old school King James on it because then they both start with the same letter because this is what he said. Some of you know what I'm about to say right now. Like, I've read the Bible, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. I know what he's about to say. Because here's what he said. I want this year to be different from these three years. How do I make this one year different from these three years? He said, number one, you dig it. And number two, you dung it. Well, that was pretty. 
That's old school King James. I can point out. Old school King James. He said, you dig and you dig it and you dung it. He said, hey, don't cut it down. Give me one more year, but there's going to be something different about this year. There's going to be something different about this year. And the way this year looks differently than last year is because I'm going to do something differently in this year than I did last year. In other words, this is going to require not just, not just a good intention. How many know every January we start off with good intentions? How many have made a New Year's resolution based on good intentions? How many noticed that the gym filled up because people had good intentions? Amen, praise the Lord, hallelujah. But it's not just good intentions that make the difference. You've got to turn those good intentions into actions, but it can't just be a short season of action. He said, for one year, for one year, I'm going to do something different. For one year, I'm going to dig, and for one year, I'm going to fertilize. For one year. I'm not just going to the first month of the year dig, but I'm going to decide to be consistent. I'm going to let my good intentions turn into good actions, and I'm going to be consistent with those actions because how many know just because I dig the first month of the year and just because I fertilize the first month of the year, I'm not going to have fruit necessarily in the second month of the year. What he's saying is, no, give me a whole year of consistently digging and consistently adding some things in, digging some things out, adding some things in. Sometimes the way you produce fruit is you get things out of your life that's using up the soil of your life, but, but not producing anything you want produced. Sometimes the way, the way you do that is you change circles that you run in. Sometimes you change activities you're involved in. One way to produce fruit, we talk about it, is pruning. That means I got to cut some things out of my life. Sometimes I'm cutting good things because I want great fruit. Sometimes I'm cutting bad things. Sometimes I'm cutting sick things. Sometimes I'm cutting dead things. Sometimes I'm cutting good things. But you say, I got to dig some things out. Maybe I got to change how I use my time. Maybe I got, this is what I say. I used to say this all the time. I've decided to bring it back just for today, y'all. But I always said this to the church. I said, if you'll give me 40 weekends this year, your life will be different next year. What I meant by that is if you will join me here, not online, nothing against our online. We're so, we love you online. Praise God you're there. But there's something about being in the house of God with the people of God. And what I said is, if you would give me 40 weekends in church. Now, think about that, because how many, how many weekends are there in a year, everybody? 52. So I'm saying you could actually miss 12 weekends, essentially three months of church. But if you'll give me nine out of three months in the presence of God with the people of God next year, your life won't be different. It will be different. It will be different. And, of course, now some of you are like, well, that seems easy because I come 50 weekends out of the year. Yes, but you're the anomaly, and I love you. Most, most surveys tell us that the average family goes about once every four to five weeks. So I see some families about once a month, and they're definitely a part of our church. I'm just challenging you. You want to see fruit? Do something different. Try something different. Let it be different time. we got to dig a little bit, Right? So here are my two points. We'll get into two points. You ready for this? I'll try to make it painless. Number one is you got to dig deep. You got to dig deep. Come on, you got to dig it. Just look at somebody and say, dig it. We're just going to have fun today. Dig it. Y'all can't wait for point number two, can you? <laughs> you got to dig deep. Um, <clears throat> well, what are we digging? <laughs> what are we digging? Well, in the Bible, when, when you read the Bible, and I know you do, but many times, many of the parables Jesus talks about, many of the things we see in the New Testament, soil represents the human heart, the condition of the human heart. In fact, we see it in the parable of the soils in Mark chapter 4. Uh, it kind of gives us four different soils, uh, that, and it talks about this man scattering the seed of the Word of God, but there are these various soils, and like the birds come, and they take the soil away, and then there's thorns and thistles, and, and one of those soils is stony or hardened soil, hardened soil. And the whole parable really is about the condition of our hearts. So in Luke chapter 13, when we're talking about, I want a different year and I want to dig deep and, and I want to produce a different fruit, we're talking really about how am I going to or what am I going to do differently in the maintenance of my heart this year. 
let me show you this. In Matthew chapter 13, 15, um, Jesus says this. He says, for this people's hearts have become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise, in other words, if their hearts were not hardened, they would see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and I would heal them. Now, I use this verse. Now, there are many verses in the Bible that talk about hardened hearts. Old Testament and New Testament talks about hardened hearts. I use this verse specifically because it's one of the times that it uses the word calloused for a hardened heart. Um, and, and not only that, but it also tells us the symptoms of a calloused heart. So when, when you see Jesus, and, and this is what he's saying, these people's hearts have become callous. Notice they have become. They weren't before, but they have become. I'll come back to that. But because their hearts have become calloused, they're not hearing. Spiritually, they're struggling to hear me. They're not hearing what I'm saying. I'm still talking. They're not hearing. Number two, they've closed their eyes. In other words, they're not seeing, they're not perceiving, they're not understanding spiritual truth and spiritual things. They're not seeing the Holy Spirit move in their lives as they once were. And then he said this, but if they, if they would soften their hearts, they could see and they could hear, they could understand. And then he says this, and I would heal. So there are five symptoms I wrote down of a hardened heart. Three of them are in this text that Jesus gives us. When my heart becomes calloused, I don't hear him. I don't see spiritually. But here's the sad thing. I don't receive from him. He said, I would heal them, but they can't receive it. They can't receive it because their hearts are calloused. Now, it may be, but when our hearts become calloused, we lose expectation. But here's what he said. Five, I'll give you these five symptoms of hardened heart. You can't hear spiritually. You can't see spiritually. You can't receive from him. Here's two more, not in the text, but the Bible speaks to him. You can't bear fruit. That's the obvious one we're talking about from Luke 13. Um, in fact, Jeremiah says, For thus says the Lord, the men of Judah, break up your fallow grounds, so not among thorns. What he's saying is you can't, you can't get fruit from hard ground. And then number five, you can't believe. Mark, 10, Mark 16, 14, Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. And so five, what are five symptoms of what happens when my heart becomes callous? Well, I can't hear. I can't hear God. I can't see spiritually. I can't receive from him. I'm not bearing fruit and I'm losing faith. I'm losing faith. So, so what are calluses? What are calluses? If you think about it, um, he says their hearts have become callous. In other words, he didn't say they wanted to have hard hearts. He, he didn't say they decided to harden their hearts against me. He said, no, over the process of time, the weathering of life, if you will, their hearts became hard. Now, I actually have some calluses. You probably do too. I have these calluses here on my hands and, and I have them both places right here. And where they come from is I, I work out at the gym. And so I use barbells and dumbbells. And if you work out at the gym, you use barbells and dumbbells and you do that enough, you develop calluses, kind of like guitar players will get calluses on their finger. What is a callus? Well, I, I didn't, I didn't decide, you know, whatever, several years ago, you know what? I'd really like to have calluses on my hands. I wonder how I could get calluses on my hands. You know what I could do? I could get a gym membership and go get, get, get some dumbbells and barbells, and hopefully over time I could get calluses on my hands. No, what I did was I went about life. Just the demands, the activities, took life as it happened, and one day I realized I didn't know they were being formed there. I didn't really keep tabs on that. Just one day I looked up, and I looked at my hands, and I thought, man, I really have some hard calluses on my hands. I think sometimes that happens with our hearts. Like we didn't say, Lord, I want to harden my heart. Like I don't want to be sensitive. I don't want to hear you spiritually. No, that's not what happens at all. What happens is we go through life. And life happens. And, and what in life happens? Well, sometimes there's the obvious disobedience, meaning sometimes when, when God's speaking to us about something and we choose just to put it off or to ignore it or to not do it, his voice gets quieter. Our heart gets harder. Sometimes when God's telling us maybe we need to stop something or change something, it's not that we want to be in rebellion to God. It's just that's hard or maybe I don't agree or that's not really what I want right now. 
or really I just want this more, whatever the case may be, whatever it is, that disobedience over time, it just develops a callous. It's not that we, we don't want a relationship with God. It's not that we don't love God. It's just the process of life. D- disobedience, that, that can create calluses. Disappointments can create calluses. This is really altogether different because that just means I love God and I was praying and believing, but over time, maybe, maybe God didn't move the way I prayed he would move. Maybe things didn't work out and I just felt like God had my back and then maybe I felt like, well, this didn't work out the way that it should. We, we all have that. In fact, if you remember in the Bible, a man named John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the one who was preparing the way for Jesus. He's the one that was the voice of one crying, prepare the way of the Lord, which was prophesied hundreds of years before John the Baptist was ever born. I mean, he was Jesus' cousin. He was the one that was in Elizabeth's womb. Elizabeth was John's mom. And when Mary was pregnant with Jesus, when they got together, John jumped. I mean, he kind of knew Jesus before he was born. He jumped in the womb. He grew up with Jesus and I'm sure saw some really cool things like Jesus healing pets and dogs and walking over mud puddles. I'm sure there's a lot of things he saw Jesus do. But John, for preaching the gospel, for telling the truth, for living a holy life, ends up in prison and he's going to be beheaded because some chick can dance. Truthfully, it's what happened. Girl dances for the king and the king says, Ooh, you can shake it. What do you want? And she said, Because her mother, conspiracy, blah, 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 I want the head of John the Baptist. And so John's going to be beheaded for preaching the truth, for telling the truth. And so he sends Jesus a message because he's in prison awaiting his execution. And he asked, Gee, think about this, John, the cousin of Jesus, who knew Jesus, who was called to preach, who has said, there is one coming after me whose sandals I can't even tie, whose Jordans I can't even lace. Like, that's the guy. The one that said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. These things John the Baptist said, and John's now in prison, and he's about to die, and he sends Jesus this question, hey, are you really the one, or should I look for somebody else? Have you ever had one of those moments where God didn't come through and you kind of thought, are you really the one or should I try something else? John had one of those moments. Jesus answers him, and I, and I got to hurry with this so I can't walk you through it. Jesus answers, that Isaiah gives us seven signs of the Messiah. So Jesus answers John, his question is, are you the Messiah? Jesus answers John, but he only gives him six out of seven signs. The one he leaves out is he will free the captive. What Jesus, and he knew John would know, what Jesus was telling John is, I am the one you're not getting out of prison. It's not for me to do. It's not not the way I'm moving. And then Jesus said, blessed is the one who doesn't lose faith because of me. Isn't that a crazy statement? Isn't Jesus the one that, isn't he the reason why we have faith? Because he came and died on the cross. But here's what he said. There's going to be an opportunity in the life you live to be disappointed because I'm not going to move the way you want me to move. And when that happens, you have a choice. And and that disappointment can come in. And when it comes in, if you're not careful, it'll start developing calluses. It'll start developing calluses. And sometimes when we walk through disappointments, it develops calluses on our heart. Sometimes we don't even know they're there, but all of a sudden we just don't expect what we used to expect. We don't pray exactly the same way we used to pray. We're not as excited when it comes to life group or going to church as we used to be. In fact, I can give you some signs of a, a hardened heart. If you're wondering if I got calluses on my heart, what would that look like? Well, five things really quickly. A loss of passion, increased cynicism, becoming critical, going through the motions, and pride. Now, you may be sitting here thinking, Pastor, now how did you come up with those five things? How do you know those five things? And I can tell you they didn't teach me this in Bible school. Life taught me this because I've dealt with all five of them. In my own life, I've seen a loss of passion. In my own life, I've seen increased cynicism. You know, where somebody's like on Instagram, guys, you'll never believe what God did. God gave me a raise. And they're like, God didn't give you a raise. Your boss gave you a raise. Shut up. 
It's that increased cynicism where this person, maybe they're praying and believing God seemed to answer their prayer and they get excited, but yet kind of shoot it down because why? I don't want to, I don't want to believe. I don't want to have faith. And I don't want to deal with the fact that God may have answered your prayer why I don't feel like God answered mine. So increased cynicism and becoming critical and going through the motion. You know what's interesting about the, the text that we're looking at and really what's interesting about our lives is part of what we have to do is learn to maintain the soil or the condition of our heart. Did you know that? We, we have to do the work to keep our heart. So we have to look for the calluses. Like God can point them out. He can speak to us. But ultimately, we have to choose to dig up the hard places in our heart. Now, there's a couple ways. I mean, I could give you a lot, honestly, about how could we dig up the the hardness of our heart, but I'll give you two. Number one is repentance. I think that's where we start. Like if, if we're sitting here and if you're sitting here, you're like, you know, those are kind of ringing true of me. I've kind of lost my passion for God and the things of God. I'm, you know, we're in this season of praying and fasting. People are praying and fasting and you know what? I'm living on jelly donuts and I hadn't prayed one time. It's okay. We've all been there. But we're being honest about it. We're saying, man, I've lost my passion. I've, I've become critical or cynical. I've just, I'm going through the motions. I, I've kind of become self-reliant. We call that maybe prideful. Then what do we do? Well, we repent. Proverbs 28, 13 says, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Here's what he's saying. When, when I don't repent, it hardens my heart. See, the way, I, the way I soften my heart is when I feel any prompting or nudging of the Holy Spirit, I respond immediately. I repent immediately. I say, it's, it's, it's when I'm in a conversation and I say something I shouldn't have said, and I know I, I, ooh, I, know I shouldn't have said that, I immediately turn to God and say, you know what, God? I, you're right, I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I need to ask for forgiveness. Maybe I need to tell that person, hey, I spoke out of turn, whatever it is. But it's following the promptings of the Holy Spirit and living a lifestyle, not, not just not just repentance of when you got saved that one day, but repentance is a lifestyle of learning to think like God and talk like God and know and, and understand like God, like this is that, and, and letting God move and guide us through life and being sensitive to him. And so maybe that's that repentance. And, and maybe it's just as simple as saying, you know what, God, my heart's gotten hard, it's gotten calloused, and it probably goes back to this prayer that I felt like you didn't answer, and that's probably where it started, and I just thought I can't believe like that again, I don't want to think like that again, whatever the case. But, but we maintain the soul. We choose to dig. See, God can bring us a message like this. God can talk to us about hardened hearts. He talked to Israel about hardened hearts. He talked to the Jews about hardened hearts. God, God can talk to us about hardened hearts, but we're going to have to choose to get a shovel. We have to choose to get a shovel. So repentance, here's the second thing. You write this one down. Just seeking God. A lifestyle of seeking God keeps our hearts soft. Did you know that? A lifestyle of seeking God keeps our hearts soft. In fact, Hosea 10, 12, it says, Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap steadfast love. Break up your fallow ground, for it's time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. Look at that. Here's what he said. When you seek God... God comes. It breaks up the ground and God rains down righteousness on you. And so this to me, like if, if you're seeing anything, man, maybe my heart's become callous. Well, here's a couple of things. This year, this year, for this year, what does it look like to seek God this year? What does it look like to live a lifestyle of repentance, of being close to God, of walking with God, and making sure there's never anything between you and God? This is a year to dig deep, and I think this is a year that he's called us to. Here's the second thing, though. You got to dig it. What was the other thing? You got to dung it. Now, I changed the point because I didn't want to offend anybody. I didn't want you to have to write dung on a Sunday morning, so I just said, pursue some nutrients. Come on, pursue. Come on, supplements, everybody. Come on, supplements. If you go to the gym, you understand everybody's got supplements. There's more powders in a gym than Mary Kay's ever thought about. Right? You got to pursue some nutrients, everybody. Because the bottom line, here's what he said. If it, for, to, for this year to be different, here's what he said. We got to break up some things that have gotten hardened. But also, we're going to have to add in some things that aren't there. We had to add in some things that haven't been there, some nutrients. 
Let me give you three really quickly. Number one, you need some food. You need some food. When the Bible talks about food, Paul calls it spiritual food, but he also in the same text calls it manna, but he's referring to the word of God. Um, Deuteronomy, God said, man can't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, you need the word of God. Now, I don't think that's spiritually deep, or I shouldn't say that should, it could be deep. It's not a great revelation, is it, that we're in church and I'm saying, hey, you need God's word, right? You need God's word. But, But let me tell you where I think sometimes we may miss it, because the nourishment doesn't actually come from hearing the word. The nourishment doesn't necessarily come from reading the Word. The nourishment comes from doing what the Word says. And when I don't do what the Word says, that's where the calluses come from. But when I do what the Word says, that's where nourishment. And can I be honest? I'll tell you a story. It's kind of a fun story about a man that used to go to our church, but he doesn't go to our church anymore. Um, and he moved away. And uh, so now I can tell the story. And now, you know, if you ever leave, I'll tell your stories. And so, of course, I wouldn't tell you who this is. And it was years ago. Um, but I never forget this man started coming to church. And he's a real nice uh, gentleman. And, and he would, every, every Sunday he would catch me after church and the church was a lot smaller then. And so I, I could kind of know everybody and I got to know him and he was such a nice and complimentary guy. And every Sunday, pastor, pastor, I love that you preach the word here. You know, not everybody preaches the word. Some, some places they just give you one or two scriptures and then stories and, you know, poems or whatever. He's like, but you really teach the word. You break down the word. Pastor, I love that you preach the word. And I thought, man, that's great. I really appreciate it. That's good encouragement. Thank you. Thank you. Well, over the course of the next few months, I got to know this man. I got to know his family. And I realized this man, like many men, were very deceived. And the reason he was deceived is this man was what I, I came to call. In fact, I described him this way to one of the staff because they had a situation. I said, I can tell you about that man. He is one of the best hearers of the word I've ever seen. Unfortunately, I've yet to see him do any of it. I said, he has sat here and listened to sermons and he can tell you what I preach and he can tell you the text and he can talk about the word that he has heard and how powerful that word is. I said, but it's not bearing any fruit because he doesn't do anything with it. In fact, when you look at the fruit of his life, the fruit of his life does not look anything like the word of God. There's no generosity. There's no faith. There's no charity. There's no serving someone else. I was like, what is that? (laughs) Everybody right now, everybody silence your phones really quickly so it doesn't happen to you, everybody, so it doesn't happen to you. Somebody's calling you next. But when I looked at his life and I realized he's deceived himself, there are some people that think they are very healthy spiritually when truthfully they're malnourished because they hear the word, but they don't do it. And when when we come to the Word of God, we don't come to the Word of God with our preset feelings. We don't come to the Word of God with our preconceived ideas. We don't come to the Word with our truth and ask it to confirm it. We come to the Word and saying, God, your Word is truth. Your Word stands forever, and I will change my life to align with your truth every time you reveal truth to me the truth about relationships or the truth about sexuality, the truth about finances, the truth about my purpose, whatever it is, I'm not because we live in a generation, everybody, where everybody's running to the word of God with how they feel and they're trying to find a verse that validates how they feel. And that is not what the word of God is for. That is a great way to think you're a Christian and not actually be one. No, you go to the word of God and you lay down your ideas, and you lay down your truth and your caprice conceived ideas, and you say, I am here to eat what you want to serve. It's like the school cafeteria. Somebody, you don't show up in the school, or at least when I grew up, we didn't show up in the school cafeteria and tell them, you know, I'd like a filet, cooked medium rare. I'd like my potato thus and so with this and that. No, no, no. You went through there, you got the square pizza, Right? 
And that little, is my favorite thing, the little peanut, they probably don't make them. Some of you know the little square peanut butter crunch thing they used to serve. Anybody ever have those? That's the only day I got excited about lunch, y'all. I'd trade for everybody's little square peanut butter crunch thing. I don't know what it was, and it probably was made out of tar. I don't know. It took forever to chew it. The point is, we don't go to God and tell him how to nourish us. We go to God and let him set the table. We eat what he serves. We change our life to look like what his word tells us. We adapt our lives to his truth. That's how we feast on the word. We become doers. As James says, don't be hearers of the word only, but be doers. Because if you just hear and you don't do, you deceive yourself. So we need some food, somebody. We need to commit to, to, to a year of feasting on the word of God and adapting our life to it. Are you with me? You can't do the word you don't know. You have to know it, but then you have to do it. Second thing is we need some water. Water. In other words, we need the presence of God. This is what Jesus said, John 7, 37. On the last day of the feast, the great, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, he said this about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet, the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. But here's what he said. He said, hey, the, the river, the water, you need the water. You need the, the presence of God. To me, this is, this is best found, the presence of God to me is best found in what you're doing here today in corporate worship. I'm not saying you can't experience the presence of God. I understand that God is present all the time. I understand theologically the omnipresence of God. You understand? But there's a difference between the omnipresence of God and the manifest presence of God. Jesus tells us where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm in the midst. That is, I make myself known. So yes, God is present everywhere all the time. That's a theological truth. But also another theological truth is when we gather in corporate worship, he, he makes himself known to us. He reveals himself to us. He shows himself to us. He speaks to us. He opens our eyes. He opens our ears. He speaks. He moves and we get to witness it. And that is the power of corporate worship. And it is important that we attend and that we come and we say, God, not, not just coming to church, but coming with expectation. Coming and saying, God, I'm going to gather in your house with your people and you're going to speak and you're going to say something I need to hear and I'm going to see you move and I'm going to feel your presence and it's going to be like water to my soul. That's what Peter said. Repent. Why? So that times of refreshing come. Where do they come from? From the presence of the Lord. I am refreshed when I'm in the presence of the Lord. And the best place to find the presence of the Lord is in corporate worship. So I'm going to commit to it, not just, not just for 21 days, for the whole year. Because I want a different year, somebody. And then here's the last thing. I, I got to have some water. I got to have some food. And then I'm going to just call it this I, fertilizer. In other words, I need people. I don't know why it's funny to me that people equals fertilizer because sometimes they can bring some crap up into your life, everybody. But anyways, listen to me, listen. <laughs> That's so bad. That's so bad. But people bring good things into your life. I think sometimes we keep them out because sometimes some people bring bad things and that's where we need boundaries and that's a whole seminar that we're not going to talk about today. But the reality is you, listen to me, you were created for connection and you were not created to do life alone. And the people around you will determine the, the year that you have. Did you know that? The people around, like if you want to know where your life's going, just look at your five closest relationships. Because the people around you, I mean, the people around you determine the direction of your life. The people around you, those, those great influences. And listen, that's a good thing because when I know that, I get the right people around me. And when I know that, sometimes I get, get other people and bless them on down the road, somebody. But the reality is, is we were created for connection. In fact, look at this, what, what Peter says. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them to serve one another. In other words, you have a gift I don't have, and, and, and your gift brings some nourishment and some nutrients into my life. 
Just like I have a gift you don't have, and, and my gift brings some nourishment and some nutrients into your life. But look at Ephesians 4, 4.16. I love this verse. It said, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Look at this. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. In other words, here's what Paul's saying to the Ephesians. You were created for connections. And the connections you have determine the health of your life. And there's so many things we're called to that we can't do if we're not connected to other people. In the garden, when, when, when God looked at Adam and Adam was by himself, and God said it's not good that man should be alone, it wasn't because Adam wasn't having sex. Believe it or not, God didn't make Eve so Adam could have sex and have someone to clean the garden and, and cook lasagna. I don't know why lasagna. That is such a dumb thing. Uh, they probably didn't have lasagna in the garden. Probably fruit salad. Definitely fruit salad. So that would, you know, lots of fruit so we could have apple pie, cherry pie, blackberry cobbler. Ooh, how many knows what a good blackberry cobbler will do to your soul? Ooh, if you don't believe in speaking in tongues, you will if you get you a good blackberry cobbler. But the point is, when he looked at Adam and said, it's not good that man be alone, it wasn't because he thought they need to have sex or he needs food. or No, it was because that relationship and that connection was going to propel Adam to be more of who God called him to Adam to be, while at the same time, at the same time, compelling and, and promoting and cheering and encouraging Eve to be who God called Eve to be. And he said, it's not good to be alone because they're created for connection. We're created for connection. It's not good that we be alone. And that's not just talking about husband, spouse, obviously a husband, wife, that's wonderful. But, but it's talking about our connection with others because what Ephesians is telling us, what Peter is telling us is that through those connections, we grow. So this year, I want to have a different year, Pastor. How do I have a different year? It's not very deep. It's very simple, just a little bit hard to do. Number one, I have to dig some things out. I have to maintain the soul of my heart. And, and if there's calluses, I got to deal with that with the Lord. And then number two, I've got to put some things in. I got to get some things out. I got to put some things in, Right? And they're simple things, simple to talk about. And yes, we should do them, but, but I've got to do the Word of God. I've got to pursue the presence of God. I've got to be connected to the people of God. Do the Word of God, pursue the presence of God, be connected for the people of God. And here's the thing. I've got to let my good intentions turn into good actions, and then I've got to consistently do that for the whole year if I want a different year. If I want a different year, and here's the promise, it'll be a different year. I don't know what, but it'll be a different year. Are you with me? Come on, will you stand with me? Yeah, you can give God praises, okay? We praise God in this house for his word. God is so good. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come. Because we end all of our worship experiences with a time of prayer for anyone who needs prayer for anything. We would, it would be our highest honor to pray with you. We'd love to pray with you. But I want you to bow your heads, everyone else, and let's just take just a moment with the Holy Spirit, just a moment with God. No one's looking around, but just a moment with God and just say, God, what are you saying to me? Like, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, would you just speak to every person as they ask you? Would you speak to every person what you're, what you're, whatever you're saying to them? Let them hear. Let us hear you today. heads bowed, no one's looking around. I, I want to real quickly pray for two things. And so number one, if you're here and you're like, you know what, Pastor, I'm going to be honest. Like, you know, and you'd be just like me. I've been in these seasons too, but maybe you'd be like, you know what, I, I think there's some calluses. I, I want like baby skin on my heart because I want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I want to hear His voice. I want to sense His promptings and His leading. But just being honest, Life's been tough, and I think my heart's become a little calloused, and I want prayer. If that's you, I just want you to lift your hand. Hey, that's me. I need some prayer. Yeah, God bless you. Thank you. So many wonderful hands. God bless you. 
Come on, anybody else can jump in. Hey, that's me. I just need some prayer. Yeah, go ahead. Lift it up. I see you. I'm with you. Yeah. I've been there. I'm going to pray for you. And then with our heads bowed, no one's looking around. If you're here and, and, and you need a relationship with Jesus, like you're like, man, I, I, just, I just need a relationship with Jesus. Not an association with the church, but a relationship with Jesus. In other words, I need to be right with God. I want to be in right standing with God. I know there's some things in my life, and a situation, or maybe I've never come to faith in Christ. But I need a relationship with God. No one's looking around. If that's you, I just want you right now, just lift your hand up. That's me. Just go with that gut. Say, that's me. And online, you can lift your hand up too. You can say, that's me. And I'm going to pray for us all as we close our time. So God, right now, I pray for those that lift their hand. They need a relationship with you. God, I just pray that right now as they call out to you, and that's what you do. The Bible says you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And It's not about the wording. It's the belief and the confession that changes. So I'll give you some words, but you can pray your own. But right now, God, as we cry out to you, say, God, I believe in you and I believe in your son, Jesus Christ. And I believe he died and rose again for me. I ask you to forgive me of anything I've done wrong and help me to live a life for you. I choose to follow you with the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, God, I pray as they pray that prayer, God, they would sense your presence and know your nearness, God, and that you would lead them. And, and God, for the rest of our church, for those of us who lifted our hands and said, you know what, God, I've got some calluses. There's some stuff. God, I just pray. God, I know this is where things change for the year when we come to you and say, God, I want to work on my heart. Time and weather and difficulty and things. And got some calluses. But God, today, I, I, want to, I want my heart soft. I want to dig some things out. I want to be sensitive to you. God, this is where revival comes from. This is where renewal comes from. This is where life change happens when we come to you and we say, God, my heart's gotten hard, but I want baby skin my heart because I want to be close to you. I want to know you. I want to follow you. I want to serve you. And so, God, I pray as, as we are lifting our hands, God, I pray you would do a work. Show us the things we need to dig out. Show us the things we need to change. And God, help us to make that commitment to put things in that are going to nourish our souls and help us produce the fruit that you've called us to produce. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, somebody. Will you give God praise today? Hey, Pastor Marty here from Pathway Church. And I just want to say thank you for joining us. And I want to encourage you to get connected and stay connected. And there's several ways you can do that. Number one, you can download the Pathway app and we are all the time offering resources and information on that app for you. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you do, make sure you click the bell so that you never miss any life-giving and life-changing content as we add it to the channel. And then also, uh, make sure you follow us on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook. Look, our hope and heart for you is that you walk in the purpose for which God made and created and redeemed you for. We love to connect people to purpose. We thank you for giving us this opportunity. And if you're ever in Longview or you are in Longview, I'd love to invite you to join us in person each weekend. Listen, I pray God's best for your life. I believe if you follow Jesus, your best is ahead.